This is What's Your Deal, the podcast where we read tarot for special guests to find out where they've been and where they're going. I'm Ariana Lenarski, and my guest today is the musician Caitlin Aurelia Smith. Hi, Caitlin. Hi. We just heard a track from her album Ears called Stratus, one of my favorites. Her latest release is actually one of her first albums that's been reissued this year, Tides, Music for Meditation and Yoga. And I'm a big fan of Caitlin's, uh, and uh, I'm very excited to announce that she has actually released um, a book. And this is the first book in a 12-part series called Listening, and with it is a deck of cards, which obviously really got my attention. Um, and I'm very curious, Caitlin, how this came to be. What, what started you on this journey, writing this book and creating this deck of cards? Yeah. Um, for the last few years, I've done a lot of research um, and did a few trainings on on how to um, interact with the subconscious mind. And um, I went through this training series called um, The Body Code, which is um, it's a modality that um, that kind of teaches teaches you how to um, speak to the subconscious mind and how to interact with it in a way to, um, to do energy work on yourself basically. Mm -hmm. Um, and from this practice, from this training, it blended pretty seamlessly with my own practice that I've always done since I was a little kid of, of listening. And, and this book kind of goes in depth, um, or not really in depth, but it gives you, um, a backstory and is, I like to say it's like my heart's poetry of what mm -hmm. my experience with, with listening has been. And, um, and all of these cards are exercises of, of how to engage with the subconscious mind and just prompts, um, to ask your subconscious mind. Um, this is the coolest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> in my life. Uh, I'm very curious. So I have a lot of questions. Yeah. Because um, obviously I'm extremely interested. I feel as though tarot is um, the method I try to use to talk to my subconscious mind. Um, yeah, that's how I feel about it too. Yes. Um, and I'm curious, you know, you say you've done this practice since you were a kid. Do you remember how that began as a child where you realized that listening was an important thing for you to practice? That seems very self-aware. It kind of has just always been my place of joy. Mm -hmm. um, and I consider myself even more than a composer, a listener mm -hmm. of, um, I've just always loved to sit outside and just, and just listen and have found just infinite creativity and, um, and excitement in, in letting one layer come into my, uh, my conscious mind or like into focus and then watching how it breaks apart into all the layers that create that one layer. And it feels like it can like go on forever. Mm -hmm. And, and it's just been, um, I don't know, it's just always been my joy place. And that's, that's how I make music is, is I just sit and listen and wait for the first bubble to come up and mm -hmm. then, and then kind of see like, okay, how many layers make that first 
bubble and, and I just keep on like listening inside. And then, then the fun and kind of the hard part is like, okay, how do I create what I just heard inside? (laughs) And then it's usually like a long time of like trying a lot of stuff and being, being like, I don't know, that sounds like it, that doesn't. (laughs) Yeah. Do you feel you get pretty close for the most part usually, or sometimes are you like, well, this actually sounds different than what I was picturing, but I like it. Or do you usually get pretty accurate or is it kind of a blend of both? Um, no, I usually don't stop until it's there until it's, it's what it was inside. And it can be, it can be a really intense experience sometimes Mm -hmm. like the most recent album that I'm working on right now, which isn't out yet, um, has been the hardest one for me to do. And I've had to rewrite the album. Wow. Um, like eight or nine times, it's been a really long process, but it's almost like my creative self won't let me stop until it's, it sounds like it, mm-hmm. it, it just, I feel all these alerts mm-hmm. come up when I listen and it's like, no, it's not it. It's not mm-hmm. it. <laughs> That's, you know, it's a real devotion to making a literal dream into reality. It's like the devotion of that. Is very oh, I like intense, that. very intense to try to manifest that. Yeah, because I feel like yeah. the body is so slow. Like there's something about I know <laughs> the, the, it is. <laughs> it's it like is. our yeah terribly but I guess slow it's a good vessel. practice and patience. Um, so I'm curious about the section. So I'm curious about this deck in terms of um why you wanted to have a deck to go along with it was it so people that kind of could kind of practice and play along with the poetry that you had written basically um it it came about actually because um I was doing I started to to do these sessions on people um Mm. where um I call it medulla pressure point therapy where um where I would hold their like different points on their medulla and, and it works with like the belief systems and like belief patterns. And, um, like and I would interact right with the, the subconscious mind. Oh, sorry. What's that? Medulla is under the neck. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. And, um, and it would be these, this like series of guided questions that go in this certain order for certain emotional patterns. And, um, and my mom, I was doing it to my mom one day and she was like, I want to know how to do this by myself. Can you, wow. can you write out like a, a guidebook for this? And, um, and so that's, she kind of, um, gave me the idea for the cards because, cause she was like, it'd be great to like know how to do an exercise for this every day. Mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, that's a really good idea. <laughs> what, um, what do you think people can get out of, and I'm curious also about the body code and, um, what, what basically the thesis of the body code is, what do you believe people can uh, get out of really connecting to their subconscious mind or placing an importance on having a relationship with that, with their subconscious? Yeah. Well, I think it's very um, personal and very like individual based on what you can get. And I think everyone has their own language. And, um, and I think that that's like the beauty of connecting with with all aspects of your like collective self is, is learning what your language is. Um, and, 
for me, my language for it is, is like bringing myself in union and like making sure, like, because I understand sound and frequencies so much, I connect everything to, to, um, sound engineering. Mm -hmm. And like, I'm constantly thinking about like how my electricity is flowing and like how, how, like, if I were to send electricity through my body, like would it, would my messages get from point A to point B in like a clear way or are there obstacles and are there like memories and energy blockages and, and like, I think there's like infinite versions of, of, um, metaphors, you know, for Mm -hmm. how to check if everything is balanced. And, um, and I think connecting with your subconscious, um, or your higher self or whatever word you want to use for it is, is kind of like, um, like being able to have an aerial view while you're having a personal view. And it's like being able to be objective and subjective at the same time Mm -hmm. so that you can, uh, do the maintenance on yourself that needs to be done. And that doesn't exclude like asking for help because Mm -hmm. I also think like a big part of the subconscious mind is, is like being able to see the reflections of yourself around you and vice versa, um, like reflecting the world in you as well. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's just like a really, or it can be a really neat, like check system for yourself rather than, than just feeling like you're helpless Mm-hmm. to the forces around you and isolated. Yeah. Um do you um would you say that you so it's interesting you're talking about you basically feel like you work with sounds. Um but I think I was reading an interview where you also s- seem to see everything as a visual as well. Is that yeah. true? Yeah. Yeah, I have um I have like a very, it's not just visual, it's, um, and I don't really know if it is synesthesia, but I have a very mm-hmm. visceral response to, to sound. And, and I guess my language for it is, is that my, my create, I like constantly am, and like referring to, um, different aspects of myself, like my creative self, um, feels very separate from my, my like conscious self, Mm -hmm. even though they collaborate and my, um, my like body self gets very strong reactions from my creative self Mm -hmm. that are like indicators of, of how to collaborate with my creative self. I don't know if that makes any sense. It's really hard for me to talk about it because it's not in a verbal language <laughs> and that's like why I make music mm-hmm. um is because a lot of um a lot of the ways that I that I experience the world are in different languages like dance or like music or visuals mm-hmm. and and sometimes they just can't like translate to the verbal language for me I'm not saying that other people can't translate it but I can't <laughs> I, I relate. No, I, I know exactly. Yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious because, well, I always think of the creative self as kind of like the toddler of my, I don't know, this might not be exactly how you feel, but I think of the creative self as sort of the child a lot of times that 
is where I get every, you know, where I get everything. Um, and everything creative is coming from this sort of like childlike feeling, but because it's a child, it also needs to have boundaries and be taken care of. And it's sort of like this, um, part of myself that needs to is always going to be going with the flow. So the point, so the, what I have to do is create a sort of safe space for it to flow as it wants to basically. And that feels like my conscious self. Oh, wow. That's really neat. I don't know if that's, that's... I love how different it is for everyone. That's like, it's so beautiful to me how different everyone's Mm -hmm. like architecture is. It's so cool. I, I really appreciate that a lot. (laughs) I'm pretty... I always feel like my conscious self is like the the toddler. Really? That's so fascinating. Because <laughs> to me, my conscious self is the parent that's like, all right, we're yeah. going to try to get this like. Uh, so and also the bo- I'm curious about the body, because to me, my body, I try I'm always trying not to abandon my body and yeah. be like I'm trying because sometimes the body feels left unattended. And I'm like, I got to like, this is the way this is getting through the world. Like, I have to come back and um, work with this vessel, basically. Yeah, Um, I know. It's so interesting how like I always feel like all the different aspects don't learn the same way. Like they all have different ways of learning. (laughs) And one of my dance teachers, I, I loved they 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 would do this thing with me that um, I really appreciated where they would, they would like constantly be telling me the same direction over and over again. And I would respond to them saying like, I'm trying. And, and then they would say to me, like, I'm not talking to you. Like I'm talking to your body. (laughs) And I just really appreciate that. Cause like, you know, when you're, when you're like trying to use your body, you can like tell it the same direction over and over again. And it, like still won't respond until one day it's just like oh I got it (laughs) it's like a dog like it's very much like I mean it's when you're like practicing the piano and mentally you know the the progression but you just have to wait for the your hands to know what you're doing basically yeah but then it's so cool because then when your body does get it I feel like it's like this incredible type of intelligence Mm. that that I actually don't understand because muscle memory is like, it feels so reliable yeah. and, and like blows my mind every time that something gets into muscle memory. I'm like, wow, that's like locked there forever. Yeah. <laughs> I've never thought about that, but you're so right that it's worth it to get the body where it needs to be. Cause once it's there, it's like, I'm locked in. Like I got this. Yeah. <laughs> I have this. Yeah. And even seems to stick around when you're older because when I think about mm, when the body starts to break down when you're a lot older and how music kind of remains usually you can like still sing a song that someone remembers um I know which is I mean I mean seems related to like the body remembering that seems to be the last thing the body remembers is music it seems like yeah which is crazy I know I've always thought that learning how to sing or like not like just like discovering your voice to me feels like pure magic because you can't like look inside to figure out what's Mm -hmm. going on and like understand the mechanics. You just have to like keep on intending like, oh, I'm going to sing and it's going to (laughs) work. 
I've never thought about that before. I'm 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 a, kind of a jerk because I've always sung my whole life and I've I've, yeah. I've always taken it for granted. Um, <laughs> until I'll have like a sore throat or something, and then I'll be like, oh my god, like, yeah, I I didn't realize what a gift this is. Yeah, I lost my hearing. Um, oh my god, about a month ago. What? Um, because I had like this weird virus. Um, but it was actually a really incredible learning experience because um I've never lost my hearing that's before cr- and I, that's like Beethoven. and I like really lost it down to like five percent. What in the and, world? Oh my god. You know, it was super weird. It was a weird ear infection, but it made me feel so grateful and so just in awe of hearing. And um and when it came back into like <laughs> full hearing again the tiniest sounds I was like yes I oh forgot I can hear my skin like t- like my fingers touching my hand <laughs> that is such a big deal um, yeah it was weird did you know were you already calling were you already sort of referring to yourself as a listener before you lost your hearing or was that kind of an afterwards you're like I'm a listener now <laughs> like this no, traumatic experience it was really like, funny uh, no I've always I've referred to myself as a listener for a long time, but mm-hmm. it's really funny because the second book in the series is called Somatic Hearing. And I was in the middle of writing it and I lost my hearing. Oh my <laughs> and God. the only thing that brought it back was actually doing the energy work. Wow. Um, I went to so many different doctors and everything that they told me to do kept making it worse. And and I was like, maybe this is like some, maybe this is my subconscious, like taking away my hearing so that I have to figure this out. <laughs> I don't know. It's like. It's super weird. I mean, that stuff is, you know, there's always some complicated stuff around like, oh, you don't want to blame yourself and yeah. blah, blah, blah. But it is a pretty intense metaphor for someone like you, who I think is the first person I've ever known to call themselves a listener to then lose their hearing while they're writing a book called <laughs> Listening. <laughs> like, there's I know. Something... My sister was like, she kept on thinking or she kept on telling me how like how ironic it was. It's insane. That I lost my hearing. <laughs> it's insane. It was truly Beethoven level crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to read the tarot of Caitlin Aurelia Smith. Welcome back to What's Your Deal? We are about to read the tarot for Caitlin Aurelia Smith. Um, and so, Caitlin, you are thinking we're just going to leave it open-ended. We're not going to ask questions. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. So what I'm going to have you do is close your eyes and say or think I give thanks for Ariana Lenarski remotely reading my tarot in perfect alignment with my greatest and highest good and the highest good of all involved okay done okay and I'm gonna say a brief prayer on my end the listeners have never (laughs) heard the witchcraft said out loud before Okay, so I'm pulling a three-card spread now. Hmm, okay. So, in the past position, I have the Seven of Swords. This card shows a guy who is kind of sneaking away from what appears to be a busy mm, marketplace, I suppose, or maybe sort of like a city. And he's carrying five swords in his hands, 
and he has kind of a look of like him getting away with it. Like he has a little bit of a sneaky look to him. And um, he with and it's flanked by this yellow background. All the whole card is basically yellow, which usually represents personal power. And he, the thing about this card is he's hanging, he's actually gripping them by the blades while he's trying to walk away, which is an interesting method of trying to hold a sword. You're like yeah. definitely going to cut yourself. Yeah. Um, what this card usually indicates for it to be in the past position, usually this card is about thinking you have to do things by yourself for the most part. There's something about this card that top that speaks to being a lone wolf there's a little bit of um feeling as though you won't you, you don't even really want to try to communicate because you you're just like i'm just not going to be understood so i'm not even going to try um swords usually indicates the mind so there's a sense of sometimes telling yourself a story that's cutting you off basically from your community or the people you care about and usually that can look like it can look like a lot of different things. It can look like procrastinating, it can look like cutting corners on deeper levels. Sometimes it's like cheating or lying or stuff like that. But all kind of in the thought of like, I think I'll I think I can solve my problem by doing it this way. Um, and usually the that solution doesn't work. Um, because you kind of end up hurting yourself or hurting others or something like that. Yeah. Um this transitions into a totally different card, the Six of Wands. So this is in the present position. So in the past, we're looking at some kind of situation where there was like maybe... So to come from the Seven of Swords means there was some kind of situation where you or someone you know or a situation, they kind of chose to do things their own way and disconnected themselves from their community in some way. In the present position is actually... The Six of Wands, which is a card of triumph. So it's this card of someone riding on a horse wearing a long red flowing cape. And he's wearing a garland around his head to show that he has defeated his enemies. Um, and there's a garland hanging from his wand. And while the swords indicate the mind, wands indicate um, the groin. They indicate creative force. And they indicate movement. And they indicate fire. Um and this is kind of the epitome of wands always love to fight. They love to battle. They love to do. Um, they just basically love any kind of movement whatsoever. And this is the ultimate. Um, this is the epitome of when wands is at their best, when they've really bested whatever um, uh, enemy they've, you know, faced. Um, and it's very it's a remarkably positive card to come from this form of situation. So there, to me, it would almost be like you defeated an enemy. Like that's what that kind of looks like to me. It's like the sort of straightforward defeating an enemy type of card. And wow, super interesting. Very, very relevant. <laughs> like incredibly relevant. Uh, yeah, I'm really, I'm very, I mean, you don't have to tell me, but I'm, I, I don't, it's an interesting, it's a very interesting transition, progression and transition. Yeah. So the future. I'm trying to think <laughs> of, or let me hear the future card okay, first yeah, and yeah. then I'll, I'll okay. try and find a way to communicate it. Great. Very interested. So the last card in the future position is the reverse Nine of Cups. And what's interesting about the Nine of Cups is it's really an amazing card. It's kind of like you get your wish. I often say it's like winning the lottery of tarot. So while swords indicates the mind, 
Wands indicates the groin and fire and creative force. Cups indicates emotional force, indicates the heart, indicates um, imagination and love and connection. And the nine is sort of the um, most similarly to the six being kind of the epitome of wands. Nine is kind of the epitome of cups where you get what you you really get what you wanted. You feel fulfilled. You, you There's contentment. There's a man that's sitting on a bench with his arms folded and he has a very like cat just ate the canary type of look on his face. And he's has these beautiful cups that are flanking behind him and it's reversed. So um, that could mean. A couple different things. When something is reversed in the future, sometimes it's like this is coming into being. So your wish has almost been granted or it's something that's like, well, you thought that was your wish, but that it's actually not what you wanted. Um, but it's kind of a hard card to swing negatively. It's for the most part like you got it. You did it like good. Yeah. Great work. And the reversal. Um, I'm actually going to pull a clarifying card to see why it's reversed. The clarifying cards that I pulled was um, the Ten of Wands, which shows a figure holding way too many wands and so many that he's bent over and is now walking and is feeling really like over the top. Um, this usually is a card you see when you've taken on a lot and you need to ask for help, basically, which you kind of were talking about earlier. And then I also pulled the card, the Two of Swords, which shows a figure that's sitting on a bench with her arms crossed over her chest and she's holding two swords to protect herself and she's blindfolded. Um, and that came up reversed. So there's a sense of like, to me, when I look at these cards and when this card is reversed, it, when the two swords is reversed, it usually means it's time to kind of like come out of a meditative period and connect again. So to me, it almost seems like in order for you to get your wish, you have to reconnect. And I'm not exactly sure with who or with what, but that's my, that would be my reading is that. You've defeated your enemy, which is great. And now to really realize this, this wish, um, you've got to form this bridge again. There's a bridge to walk over to start handing off, to delegate a little bit of whatever has been burdening you. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So, wow. Okay. <laughs> so, so how much can interesting. you <laughs> Yeah. It's kind of. So hmm, I'm trying to think about how to communicate it. I'll, I'll just like... Maybe tell it like a fairy tale. Can you tell me like a yeah. fairy tale? <laughs> <laughs> well, so this next album that I'm working on, um, it kind of has like a whole story. Actually, I won't even tell it in context for okay. the album. But this last year, um, I like went down this road. I don't even know why I did. I just did. It just happened where I woke up one day and was just, I like couldn't stop thinking about, um, the word impossible. Wow. And, and I was just like getting really, um, fixated on it on like, on like, or not fixated, just like, like really, really curious about like, like, I want to, uh, like, learn from my subconscious, like, like what, like, how to remove everything that makes me think that anything's impossible and, like, just kind of learn how to overcome this. And so I, like, gave myself a, like, physical thing, like a tangible exercise to do every day so that I could see how this process was going. And so I was like, okay, 
I'm going to become a hand balancer. I was like, I want to pick something that's like impossible to me so -hmm. that I could just like have a, 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 like a very tangible reflection of how this internal work is going. Does hand hand balancing mean like standing on your head, standing on your hands? Yeah. But like hand balancing is like learning to do it on canes and like on lifted things. So it's like, things that to me feel very impossible. And I like sought out a coach and I was like, I'm going to do this. I want to like practice this every day and let's like see if like how I can you like how I can talk to my subconscious mind to like try and get over fears and like things that make me think that something's impossible. And it's just been a really interesting journey. It's been like a year um, so far. And and it just makes me think of it because um, because it, it became this really internal process that mm. made me very um, very isolated because you're not isolated, but it was just like almost like a withdrawal of just like really going inside to um, I learned so much. I'm still learning so much just to to kind of understand like what are my own, for lack of better words, like what are my own self-sabotaging tendencies? Mm-hmm. And um, and it was so neat to have, or it is so neat to have this physical reflection of like, of like when I do start to balance, I'll like sometimes make myself not balance anymore so that I don't succeed at it. And I and I was like, oh wow, what is that? Like, and then I would go and do like some listening to be like okay, why am I doing that? Like what part of me is doing that? And, um, so these cards just feel really relevant because at first I felt so alone in it and was just like, kind of felt like I was almost getting lost inside of myself, like trying to organize myself. Mm -hmm. And then there was this turning point, like just a few days ago about collaboration and, that collaboration is like an internal thing of just like getting all of the aspects of myself to like collaborate with each other. And, and that's like more the place that I'm at with it currently Mm -hmm. and starting to, to work with that. And I don't know, it's super abstract to talk about it. (laughs) I love it. It's, it's, I, I really, I love thinking about it. I love, um, the thought of, simply trying to understand why you would self-sabotage yourself, um, which is also something I, I was thinking about that. I was taking a walk this morning that um, I thought that sometimes self-sabotage is trying to not let yourself have any stakes, like trying to not make stakes for yourself um, and trying to stay as metaphorically low to the ground as possible so that you don't fall like if there is a success somehow that the metaphor of elevation then means you'll fall or something like that yeah that's so true I know and it's it's interesting because like I don't know if if this is if this is how you relate to it but like there's I found for myself there's all there were all these like hidden ones Mm-hmm. Um, and I, like, I kept on having this memory come back to me of when I was younger and, and I went snowboarding once, like I've only gone snowboarding once, but I remember when I was trying to learn how to snowboard, I would, uh, make myself fall because I was afraid of it. 
and um, and my brain like kept on coming up with all these ways that it could fall. And so it was like, I want to be the one to make me fall um, before something else could make me fall. And that's been like something that I've been trying to like figure out, like, what's the origin of that? Where does that come from? Like the desire to control the situation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of face the unknown. So, it's so interesting to like find the origin of those things. Yeah. And, and I mean, for me, it all goes back to, to like, um, and I guess like a lot of, a lot of, um, fears for me personally go back to love and like, and like, just, it's just like a defense layer Mm -hmm. of like, you know, a protection layer. Can you speak on that a little more? Like it immediately made me want to cry, but I wasn't sure what it meant. Oh, (laughs) like for me, it was, it like, goes back to abandonment. And I, and I actually was never like, I have very loving parents and, and feel very fortunate and grateful that, that I felt very loved growing up. So it wasn't abandonment in a literal way. It was like, um, it was like abandonment. Um, and it's not necessarily like a spiritual abandonment, but it, um, because at like it almost felt like and I haven't found the the word for this because I don't know if I if I fully relate to the word soul mm-hmm. or not but um but I'm going to use that word for the time being cuz I haven't found a better word but it was almost like my soul felt abandoned because it couldn't answer why it was in a physical body and wow and like that type of abandonment has been like really hard for me to answer and like find understanding with. And so it's been just like a lot of, of like trying to listen to, to what comes up when I ask myself, like, why do I feel abandoned there? Mm. And, and I'm still listening and like learning about that, but yeah. Wow. So I don't have all the answers and and this is like a really like current. (laughs) No, I love that. Well, it makes me think about, um, I read recently that being in a body is about exploring limits. Um, and I've never really, but it seems so true to me that there, that a lot of abandonment does have to do with why am I in a body? Like, and I've never really thought about that before. So I maybe knew the answer before I heard your question, but the question actually gives me more like I relate more to your question than I do to that hearing that answer of like well we're exploring limits like it's like but it this this is lonely like this sucks <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah I know and it's so neat because like even though it is lonely and it sucks we're like all in it together yeah and we're all kind of like why are we what is this <laughs> yeah so funny yeah well, thank so you. So you let me know when you know the I answer. Will. Yes, I, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, okay, great, same. <laughs> yeah. Um, thank you so much for sharing um, everything today. Yeah. Um, Thanks for having me be a part of it of and course. for sharing your guidance. Yes. Um, truly, I your music is. I've just I connect to it so much. I think it's so. It, you were talking earlier about using music as language instead of words sometimes. And I 
don't know a I don't know a musician that I've more like felt like I could was have could hear their conversation as they were as I was listening to their music. Really, really Aww. love it. Thanks. Um, that means a lot. Um, is there anything where people can find you to purchase your book or where you um where that you prefer people to listen to your music? Yeah. Um Instagram is a really that's like my most um kept up to date way of well, that was a weird sentence. My most <laughs> up to date way of communicating with um with people and like where I'm sharing things. Um and then the book is, and yeah, I have like a link there for where to get the book. Um, but the book is also available at touchtheplants.com. And um, and then music, I guess the best way is Spotify um, or Bandcamp. And your Instagram is just your name as your handle, right? Yeah. Right? Okay. Yeah. At Caitlin Aurelia. Caitlin Aurelia. Okay. Thank you again so much for coming on. Yeah. You thank you. Truly a delight. Likewise. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. Here is Caitlin Aurelia Smith's track, Existence in the Unfurling, from her album Ears. This has been What's Your Deal. We'll see you next time. <laughs>